podcast. I'm Just Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For all of you guys out there, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Justin Bizarro. And you can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you everyone for listening in. Obviously, we've changed the format a little bit in a, into a new podcast studio, so that's kind of fun. Um, and with that being said, I'm with us today, Joe and Paul from Eagles Catch in Iowa. How are you guys doing today? Very well. Doing great. Glad to be here in Georgia, and uh, we've got a belly full of fish, and we're ready to roll. There you go. So, Joe and Paul, tell me a little bit about you guys. I guess, Joe, first, tell me about your background, how you became an entrepreneur, why you sort of followed this path, and I know you've had a very interesting journey um, on the road to where you are and some mm-hmm. some parts of the world or yeah experiences absolutely so I was raised on a family farm in Iowa where my dad and my mom they grew up they uh, actually I grew up in the same house my mom grew up in and uh, am actually a fifth generation Iowa farmer and so we're, we're really proud of that it's part of our heritage and uh, what you know my grandparents and what my great-grandparents did you know we've had to evolve over the generations uh, to create new opportunities to get you know get with the times and and continue to not only grow but you know continue the whole heritage of being an Iowa farmer for that many generations and there's so much that goes is packed in that but we uh, I grew up outside of a town of about hundred and three people um, Buckeye Iowa so it's a super small town and, uh, and it's one of those kinds of places where you know you see someone go past your house and you know who it was because of what they drove and you know in sometimes they'll honk at you you know you know everybody in that community and so it's is such a, uh, a great place to grow up because you're not just a product of your parents you're a product of the whole community yeah absolutely and that tied with the heritage you know our neighbors um, are you know a farming family that you know knew my grandpa and they had to do business together and the generation before that as well worked together you know as neighbors and so um, there's so much that's tied in from a cultural heritage standpoint that is associated with farming from our neck of the woods and uh, so it's something that we're very very proud of and uh, as I uh, grew up my parents had uh, you know kind of their own entrepreneurial ventures you know they were uh, they chaired a nonprofit organization. They had an in-home publishing business. My mom actually ran a database, uh, and they did ca- uh, helped with cattle sales across the country. And so they were actually doing some of the database and marketing that uh, you know is probably a more modern approach today. They were doing that in cattle sales, you know, 20 years ago, and tracking you know yeah. who was paying for cattle, how much did they you know pay for them. So that way they could work through the targeted advertising and those kinds of things. And entrepreneurialism is embedded in family-ran agriculture. And uh, and so in many cases, there's a big argument. Are farmers entrepreneurs or not? And I, I, I think both Paul and I would agree that farmers are entrepreneurs by nature. Absolutely. And so part of that is, you know, okay, can I produce something? Can I sell something? And, you know, that's something, and can we make lemons out of lemonade? And that's kind of a funny tie-in to where I kind of got my start in uh, entrepreneurship. And that was, uh, as a sophomore in, in high school, there's a there's a great big bike ride that goes through the state of Iowa called yeah. Ragbri. 
I'm very familiar with it, actually. Yeah. Interestingly, I had a friend whose dad and him did it before his dad passed away, and it was a big deal for him to do it again out there. Hey, Steve, I know you're probably listening in. That's for your dad. and yeah, That's kind of interesting, but go on. Yeah. I love the bike race. Yeah. yeah. All the way across the state. It's yep. like dedication. Yeah. And there's like 20,000 people yeah. that ride, in, and they're from all over the world that come to Iowa, of all places, yep. uh, to ride bikes. And so we said, you know, hey, there's uh, there's an opportunity here. So we did a lemonade stand, the classic, you know, childhood lemonade stand. And we sold yeah. lemonade for $2 a glass. And every day we picked up, we moved to a different spot. And uh, in over a week, as a couple college kids set slinging $2 a glass lemonade, we made like $2,000 of profit. Yeah, absolutely. On, and, and what was really cool to us was it became this process of learning and and refining so for us it was about which side of the road do you set your stand on you know you want to be at the top of the hill not at the bottom of the hill and there's this formula that we had to learn through about how to have a better day of sales of lemonade and it kind of awoke this beast of entrepreneurialism that you know was probably foundationally with where i grew up and, and how i grew up but it uh, it definitely struck a desire to to be you know off on my own and and working towards my own goals and objectives and going through this process of learning and applying and learning and applying to get better and better and better you know whether it was sales of uh, lemonade uh, for two dollars a glass or whether that's yeah. you know in this case now we're working towards uh, fish farming and so that's um, and then uh, and then over time then we. Uh, after college, um, which I might be a little premature getting into some of the ventures. Yeah, no, but I want to touch on the awakening, the sort of entrepreneurial spirit in the sophomore in college. And I think, you know, similar stories, but uh, again, I grew up on a farm, so I think you're right. It's inherently, I, I don't know how you pass it on unless you bring your children into your business as an entrepreneur or encourage them to go work for entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. even a plumber who's just a tradesmith who's running his own business. Um, you know, I gained experience that way too, but my before that was more like, um, was fruit stands and I had a, you know, and four of them and which side of the road and where do we place them and where's the best economic bang for a buck? And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, how do you find the right consumers you know, who are willing to spend that type of money and stop at there instead of your um, fruit stand, how do you keep them coming back, Mm -hmm. you know? So one of those things, and then how do you convince them to give you a tip? Because then tips are just free money. Everyone gives away tips. It's the funniest thing. Some people will not pay $7 for like 10 years of corn, but they'll throw a $3 (laughs) tip. I'm like, wait a second here. I'm like, but it's no sense. But those are the type of things where, you know, people can work, people get more inspired. They're making more money on tips. Uh, as an employee and therefore they're spending more time with the people and therefore they'll eventually buy the $7 10 pack of corn Mm -hmm. or whatever hopefully it's not that expensive (laughs) if you guys are mild I might faint over what I just said no but just to use it as a price point but I think you, you there's a curiosity and there's something that happens where if you don't follow it you're constantly wondering what do I do or am I actually following my path or is this what I'm meant to do or mm-hmm. I don't know I just know if you don't follow that little demon inside it can terrorize you you know like what am I doing why am I doing this even when life is good you know you can yeah. feel discontent so but anyway go ahead so yeah yeah and to that point it was 
do I look under this rock or not? Yeah. And if I don't look under it, I might have a nice, you know, stable whatever, but it's always going to eat you that you didn't look under the rock, yeah. you know. And uh, for better, for worse in some cases. But, yeah, uh, yeah and, and so after college kind of is where my interest got peaked in aquaculture and in fish farming and uh, for, for a number of reasons. But the... Uh, in largely that is in macroeconomics why we got interested in it and so I spent some time uh, in my last in my final throws at uh, Iowa State University where I did my undergrad and uh, at that time we had visited a couple fish farms and it, it really stuck out to me for a couple reasons number one I didn't want to go and work for somebody you know I could probably have uh, a, a nice career, a nice paycheck, live stably, you know, and all these things. Absolutely. It sounded boring to me. Yeah. And uh, and so really was just looking for uh, something that I would uh, would be able to take on and, and do myself. And it, I think I actually made the decision that I was going to chase after this industry. It didn't take much. Um, and I was already convinced, like, yeah, I'm going to, like, spend the next, you know, 10, 15 years of my life, 20 years of my life, uh, pursuing this and it really kind of came down to a couple key points you know the United States imports 91% of our seafood yep. it's the only product agricultural food product that's primarily imported versus domestically produced yep. and uh, about 50% of what is uh, consumed in the United States is wild caught and so it is the last agricultural or uh, food product that is predominantly wild caught or harvested and uh, with that as you look at those makeups of those two different points of what's imported about three quarters of that is coming from china so in the state of iowa we're really good at producing corn soybeans uh, hogs chickens eggs as just to name a few we, we've got a number of commodities yeah. that we're really good at producing yeah, we produce absolutely. a lot of it and when you look at that, and there's, there's part of your, we also know that China and Southeast Asia and India are gonna represent over a third of the world's population. Their middle class is growing, not just in numbers, but in affluence. And so the first thing that those families are going and buying is better nutrition for their family. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've seen it in the pork and chicken and beef uh, as well as soy and corn, that they're buying more and more and more of these agricultural products from Iowa, from the United States, as well as many other countries around the world. Yeah. But when we get three quarters of our seafood from China, just China alone, you know, over that 10 it's to national 20... national security now. Yes, also. it is. And uh, that 10 to 20 year outlook is that we're not gonna have the supply of seafood in the United States. And so it was a very bipartisan, both the Trump and the Obama administration said, both of them said, we need to bring seafood cons uh, production and, and capture to the United States. And this is a national security issue. Absolutely. But I, and I want to pause you there. So because <clears throat> the gap now that we've got to sort of jump into is you're, you just said all the things you grew in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Not one of them was fish. That's right. And so you're an Iowa guy in a town of 103 people um, <clears throat> that was raised by a village. 
and now you're out of college with no fishing experience, I assume. So how do you go get the fishing experience knowing that you want to be a fisher entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, do you study it? I mean, there's a lot of avenues, but how do you, Joe, go get the experience yeah. as an entrepreneur? Because I, you just didn't tumble your way into <laughs> the business. Sure. You know, at that time, there was uh, another fish farm that was uh, close to where we lived. And we very quickly, the, the two guys that were running it that were cousins, um, we very quickly developed a great rapport with them. We very quickly became, uh, grew to trust them. And we decided we wanted to work with them. And they had a fish farm, they were building a nursery, you know, uh, and we said this, this, could, this could be something really good for, for the whole statewide. And they were getting a lot of attention for it too because Absolutely. you know they're a couple hardworking, honest Iowa guys that uh, have, a, have a base in farming. And so we said, you know, these are really good guys for us to work with. And you know, I wanted to spend some time learning it on my own. Yeah. And so that way you know, we could help or work with these guys and we could build an industry here in the state. And uh, so at that time, through multiple contacts, actually uh, got connected with University of Auburn with their fisheries extension department. And a guy by the name of Jesse Chapel, uh, I called him up and he said, yeah, you come, come right down and, and uh, I'll take you around to some fish farms, show you a few things. And so here I'm a fresh you know, college grad out of Iowa State and I f you know, rent a car for like the first time in my life yep. uh, coming out of Atlanta airport and uh, drove down to uh, Auburn and spent some time with him. He took me to a couple different operations. Um, actually, a few of them, uh, you know, uh, Willard Poe, who we even work with today. Uh, and uh, he, you know, taught me a few things, got me a base knowledge, got uh, me to know a few producers in Southeast, where in the United States, it's really the Southeast, is, which produces most of U.S. aquaculture today. Um, a lot of catfish farms and those yeah. kinds of things. And so I actually went back and I was at this time I was driving this like beat up Buick uh, that we'd bought out of a hail sale. So it looks like a golf ball. And I'm driving this down to Alabama and I actually went and worked on these farms. And I said, I'll work for free. And uh, I just I just want to learn. I'll do your dirtiest, greasiest jobs that nobody wants to do. Just teach me. Yeah. And uh, so they were, they were so receptive and uh, they were like, well, free labor, you know, heck, why not? And, uh, and the air con it is, I'm the month of July. Yeah. And I'm in Alabama, like living in a tent. My air conditioning goes out in my beat up Buick and, uh, and I'm working on these fish farms and it was an incredible experience and um, learned so much uh, from that whole process. You know, not enough to make me an expert but it was enough for me to understand some of the similarities between what we do in traditional commoditized agriculture in Iowa and what the opportunities were within fish farming. And with this kind of base knowledge or understanding, at least, uh, I came back and, and built a business plan for a business that we called Buckeye Fish Company. And... Uh, and at that point, uh, decided to jump in this, and we were going to work with that other farm that was uh, local uh, to us and, and with those guys. And uh, that was kind of the tipping off point. And at that time, uh, I'd met with a couple other people that we knew that were kind of kicking around this idea of getting involved 
in aquaculture and they and we just kind of sat down at the table and said well if you guys kind of want to do this and we kind of want to do this why don't we work together yeah and i've already you know spent the time working on fish farms in the south and uh have dedicated uh uh you know my after college experience to trying to learn this industry and uh and at that point they kind of said yeah let's work together and this is kind of when uh paul uh, came uh, came to the picture too, and and uh, and we started at that time Buckeye Fish Company. Yeah. So Paul, tell us about your background and and sort of where you come into the picture. But give us all the way back. Yeah, obviously, you you have a farming background as well. So right. let's just start at the beginning. Yeah. So it's not a lot different than than Joe as far as in the beginning. Um, grew up on a family farm. Uh, I'm third generation uh, farmer. Um, my my parents uh, main source of income came off the farm as I was growing up and we had row crop um, with corn and soybeans and alfalfa we also went on the livestock side with uh, registered Suffolk sheep and uh, some 4-H cows and then some some hogs farrow to finish so we were very diversified uh, I had two other brothers that uh, you know we got to walk beans in the yeah. summer bale hay you know do all the chores uh, go through 4-h you know growing up showing livestock mm-hmm. um, learning that entrepreneurial you know can you buy an animal raise it up sell it for a profit yeah absolutely um, so that was you know like when joe was talking about his his build for entrepreneurship i think that was kind of the start for me i enjoyed that portion with with our registered registered suffolk sheep we had the ability to sell seed stock so we were selling rams and used to to producers to to have them um, produce other yeah, rams. absolutely and so we were the the marketing side of things came in a little bit that way where you had people come look at your animals you had to sell your animals to them um, so I enjoyed that portion of of talking to people and 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 getting to know people that way um, when I went into the college uh, realm, I also went to Iowa State University, graduated there. Um, I, I played on the football team. And another jump, I guess, as far as my entrepreneur side was, you know, I was a walk-on. So I didn't, I didn't get a scholarship, but, you know, goals and, and yeah. pushing forward to, yeah, getting that scholarship and then pushing for, you know, playing time and stuff, that also fed that fire exactly to, to yeah. want to to be better to want to you know outperform somebody else to be able to um you know just just make it and, absolutely and i think that's a big portion of entrepreneurship is is you want to make it you want to do you know what's best um for yourself and and so you know after college um i married my high school sweetheart shannon and so she had two years of college uh, left, uh, so she went into physical therapy school. Uh, we moved to a different uh, part of the state where I started my career in uh, sales. Um, so I was in the livestock uh, feed sales side of things. Absolutely, yeah. We went ahead and uh, um, I stayed in livestock, mainly the swine side of, of sales for the next 23 years. As we, Shannon and I, grew our family. Uh, after the two years that we were over east, uh, we moved back home uh, to Radcliffe, which we were just south of, of where Joe grew up. Um, and we built our family and, and started building our own family farm. And I think that's where we kind of, uh, Joe and I avenues 
changed a little bit, I yeah. would say. Um, with, with my family, you know, I have uh, a yearning to, to bring my kids uh, back into the agriculture aspect or the entrepreneur aspect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the great thing, you know, growing up in the village that, that Joe and I grew up in really close, everybody knows everybody. And, you know, it's, it's no different than, than what Joe and I have. Um, you know, we went ahead and, you know, going back to my father, you know, he was Joe's mom's 4-H leader. Yeah. You know, when I was in 4-H, Joe's parents were my 4-H leaders. Yeah, there you go. And then, and then when Joe was finally in 4-H, I, uh, I sold him sheep that he showed at the, at the county fair. So, so yeah. there's a lot of connection there that, uh, that grew our, our uh, uh, respect for each other and, and uh, our knowledge for what we can bring for each other. Well, and I think part of the the thing here is even we the animals and everything. You're taking something of some value, and you're making it worth a greater value. Or whether it's a lemon and a lemonade, or a fruit and vegetable, and you're getting it to where it's more convenient for someone to purchase it. <clears throat> it's about how do you do that, and it's something. I feel that we really need to base as a learning, even if you're not an entrepreneur, just because how else do you take care of yourself? I am like, it doesn't occur to me any other way not to be an entrepreneur, not to take life into my own hands and not to try to to make my own way and make more value out of it. Because I don't, I just, I think to your point, how could I go into an office and just sit there and do something and what value am I driving actually? You know, I guess people can see that in their thing, but it's not the same value that I see holistically. And what you're trying to say is how do I make a bigger difference? What does that look like? How do I provide a better secure food source? And then how do, you know, I find the right people to do that with. Yeah. And we would, on my side of things, when I got into the sales, it wasn't uh, sit on the desk and and just type away at the computer. I was calling on on yeah. customers, but at the same time, I didn't. You know, I, it was a paycheck, and I got the ability through livestock to be able to you know uh, we got into registered Red Angus cattle and registered Suffolk sheep. Um, my two brothers and I started a Touchdown Acres, uh, which we sold club lambs. Um, so we tried to build that that uh, community of entrepreneurship, and you know what can we do to uh, increase value? And you know I got a cousin and myself and an aunt that that built three hog barns together. So so the diversification yeah. is, is runs great in uh, in our in our bloods, and and we try to we try to expand that in in at least for myself try to expand that into my kids. There's, uh, I was going to pull something out, and it, uh, just a funny quote that Paul, something Paul said that made me think of, but there's no more addictive thing than a steady paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to pull something out and reiterate something Paul said, and it's really around the heritage. And Paul talks about giving an opportunity for his, his yeah. kids uh, to have something that they could come home to. And both Paul and I are, you know, I think third generation Iowa farmer, fifth generation Iowa farmer. This is is really driven around heritage and continuing our way of life in in rural Iowa that is, you know, similar to a lot of rural places across the country. And, you know, there's this constant urbanization that, 
you know, a lot of young people go to the cities and those kinds of things. Um, but we're kind of at an inflection point within even the Iowa community where the average age of an Iowa farmer is 57.4 years old and it's getting older. And they're trying to find ways for the next generation to come home because it's it, almost impossible to buy your way into farming. You almost have to be born into it, not yeah. just from a financial sense because there's a lot of costs. Yeah, so anyone certain. knows uh, the combine that puts the corn on the table? I mean, yeah. it's a supercar, million dollars minimum right. usually, yeah. yep. starting off. And so when people look at farmers and don't think entrepreneurs, they're, they've got lines sometimes of these multi-million dollar pieces of equipment that they figured out how to finance and pay for and turn into profitable ventures to support their family. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And there's so much that goes into getting started in farming. And uh, so, since so much of it is heritage driven, that it is a profession that is handed down and inherited. And there's a lot of personal and social responsibility around that. And, uh, and that part of the reason why we decided to get in this business as well is providing sort of new opportunities, economic opportunities for that next generation to come home, as well as, you know, Paul's gen, uh, next generation. I don't have a next generation yet, <laughs> but that's something that we think a lot about in trying to continue that heritage. I think it's, it's pretty cool. So let's dive into Buck. Buckeye Fish yeah. Company now. I mean, I know we're talking about Eagles Catch ultimately, but let's dive into that, how you guys meet, where that takes you, the type of fish you guys grow. Um, and I also want to talk about a little bit about the other fish you've grown in your experience mm -hmm. while you're uh, in Alabama or wherever um, just over the years, if you guys have experience in that. Because I want to talk not only about a specific fish, but I want to talk about the diversification because I really think the major point here is also there was once a free cow mm -hmm. you know but we figured out how to make them grass finished cows so we're at a point where the technology is there we can make and grow agriculture you know through aqua aquaculture and make it like our normal food sources safely and produce it in fine ways that replicate the environments in order to provide a safe local sustainable source yeah. you know which is interesting and i just want to point this out also is while everyone in the united states are on this big local sustainable you know get everything plant-based whatever we were kind of being at a hypocrisy in the way we shop because while we shop and we're saying we want all these things and we do this we're also buying fish like you said from other places we're also buying stuff that's not locally sourced that's processed overseas for example so what is it that we're really trying to do okay fine let's pretend it's not about national security let's pretend it's just about security of a food source as human existence mm -hmm. like at some point we need to figure out how to holistically do it all um, and make it so we can do without wasting the water and all that which we'll get more into i think but let's talk about buckeye uh mm -hmm. fish company so as Joe was talking about, there was there was a core of himself and another uh, farm family uh, close to our, our neck of the woods. And I guess on my story, we had um, uh, Iowa Soybean Digest is a the Iowa Soybean Association puts out a, a newsletter every uh, every quarter, I think it is. And 
I was reading that, and it had the article of Iowa's first fish farm called Iowa's first, and that was the the Nelson the cousins that were that Joe was talking about previously, and talking about you know interested in cooperating with other farmers to to raise their fish, and you know the farm that I live on has a old turkey building on it, which we use for sheep, but. I thought to myself, this would be a great experience for my kids to be able to maybe put a couple tanks in this building and raise fish for these guys and sell them cooperatively. And oh, this is this is going to be wonderful. I, yeah. I'll be able to to satisfy our own fish needs and and get my kids into something. And I was very naive uh, at that time on how fish farming actually worked because literally that was my first induction into fish farming. Yeah. So. So I was I was naive, but I started uh, asking some questions, talking to Iowa State Extension. Um, I told my younger brother about it, and that I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm really interested in this." I've been talking to the, the Nelson brother or cousins, and he was at a bowl sale, which Joe's dad, our 4-H leader, uh, yeah. was at managing the sale, and they got talking, and and Jim, my brother, told Dave, Joe's dad, uh, Paul's got this crazy idea about becoming a fish farmer yeah. and Dave's like well that's interesting because Joe's gonna do it and so uh, long story short Jim told me to reach out to Joe and and just see what's what it's about see if I could be part of it and and I I told my wife the other day I was like that was probably my best sales job of, of, <laughs> yeah. of my life was sitting at the table with with Joe and the, and the Plagueys the other farm family asking them, uh, selling them on getting into the business with them. And, and they were pretty set on, you know, they had a, a, an idea where they wanted to go. And Joe was very adamant about, you know, well, let us get this off the ground. And when we're ready to expand, you know, then that would be a good time for you to come in. And, and I was, I was very adamant about, no, if, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this on the ground floor, yeah. you know, versus, okay, well, now it's going, now it, it's it's costing me this much more to get in. Yeah. And and so, you know, Joe and the Plagues were very grateful enough to, to allow me the opportunity, myself and another partner that I had, uh, to own a quarter of it and then we brought in another farm family. And so we just doubled the, the facility and and luckily that was my opportunity to get into fish farming. I still had a full time, you know, other job. So this was my nights and weekends uh, yeah. position but it was something that you know really you know blew up my my interest and passion for for entrepreneurship and 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 moving forward with it and what kind of fish i mean how how did you decide what to fish to start with at this point yeah so at that point we were working with that other farm and those cousins that we had gotten involved and they had the nursery and they were getting the whole setup so we we're like well we'll just work with you what you guys do we'll do and uh we thought that was a great opportunity so at that point we were raising barramundi sea bass um, which is a fish native to australia and uh, it's you know one that is extremely nutritious and has all these really great values it, it's a high yielding fish um, and uh, there's some complexities around the production, but you know there's that was all stuff workable, and we had the local supply. We had someone locally that we could market with, and those kinds of things. Um, and I also want to kind of pull out something Paul said too about the whole diversification piece. And as you look at the at the state of Iowa, 
all of these farmers are diversified. And if you're not diversified, you, you've probably gone out of business because any one of these uh, commodities will ebb and flow. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're in pork production, well, you also need to be in corn production and you need to be in soybean production because the, as these things ebb and flow, you know, they've got to offset each other. Exactly. And even if you look at the last 70 years, farmers have basically broken even. And so there's, uh, it's almost now, if you've made it this far, it's part of your, like, cultural, like, identity of trying to diversify. And so that was part of Paul, and Paul was one of the more progressive ones at saying, oh, hey, here's another opportunity yeah. in, in fish farming. And because uh, and, it's not just diversification from a, uh, a product standpoint, but it's also diversification from a geographical distribution perspective because a lot of our other commodities are dependent on international trade agreements to be successful. These are products that are going to go to our neighbors. Yeah. And, uh, and the people in the Midwest and, and then eventually, you know, probably the, the coastlines. And so um, that, w I think, is, is really cool, too. And I think it's a, a major point. I think any farmers that are actually starting to make money anyway in any business now are having to diversify or think about rotating and on a grander scheme. And, you know, you think about it, beef and pork, but also crops and whatever. I mean, at some point, you're having to manage it all for exactly that reason. And you become really good at a lot of different things. Yeah. And um, it's really unfortunate unfortunate when we try to break apart those silos of those industries and vilify one against the other because what we don't realize is that we a lot of farmers rely on all of it they rely on the pig the cow and the chicken they all work together. and the turkey yep. and so you know holistically if we really think about it in the way we purchase or the way we do things to your point it's it's about the fishing it's about the sheep it's about the pig but it's also about the corn the soy the tomatoes the cucumbers whatever that also is in the mix along with it and then let's talk about environmentally you're using less water so you're you're doing that but also to your point geographically the fish are there and you're providing the midwest with another protein source which is essential for the diversification of the the human diet and you're providing it locally and in a way that doesn't have much of a carbon footprint considering the way it's done if you catch it at sea, right. you know, real. Okay, it's on a ship. It's then shipped from a sit to a mainland, then from mainland on another ship across the sea to the United States, and then the United States shipped across the country, mm -hmm. you know. So it's a little bit doesn't make sense, you know, and it's the same reason, one of the reasons FSP as we've gotten into vertical integration, why we um, have the Dutch station of our pigs in Iowa. It's the best place. Where are the best farmers that have it? Who are the ones understanding the technologies of, you know, pr Proposition 12 for California? Ironically, it's Iowa. It's not California. Iowa's leading the charge on understanding, you know, the clean air barns and the, you know, what does that look like? And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, yes, California sets the rules or New York City sets these rules. But at the end of the day, the entrepreneurial farmers that adjust the quickest in the country are the ones who benefit in Iowa smack in the middle. Entrepreneurially, they can go both ways to a coast and you think it's at a disadvantage because of the ports. But really, there's somewhat of an advantage there that's happened because of the small communities and the diversification that you guys have had that allow food to travel better and to get rid of it or 
to not realize the benefits that we have in farming and encouraging generational farming to keep going mm -hmm. or not getting rid of land for you know um development uh, housing yeah. you know we're not weighing whether it's farmable land we should be keeping or whether it's just land doesn't matter and it should be a development one of like we don't look at that no it's terrible yeah one of the untold success stories of the modernization of agricultural practices and you know a lot of people demonize you know what they'll call uh, factory farming exactly. and those kinds of things but as you look at the last 50 years we've decreased the carbon th footprint by you know a single unit of whatever commodity threefold hmm. also over the last 20 to 30 years we've cut world hunger in half and so when you in the world food prize if, if you're not familiar with a gentleman by the name of norman borlaug originally an iowa native uh nobel uh, peace prize winner credited with saving over a billion lives and uh was is also considered the uh the father of the green revolution uh was part of this uh in a founder of this world food prize uh which is head which is headquartered in iowa their big <laughs> event is always in iowa and it attracts, you know, the Bill Gates Foundation and, and you know, several big yeah, players. Absolutely. You know, the modernization of the this uh, this food supply and commoditization of these agricultural products. Uh, you know, I've heard people criticize that maybe flavor has gone down with some of these project products, but the trade-off is is a lower carbon footprint. The trade-off is we're now it it by 2050 we're going to have to produce twice the amount of agricultural product with less land less water and less inputs exactly and so with us uh, looking at these things from the lens of fish farming we're saying hey fish are an incredibly efficient animal yeah they convert about 1.3 pounds of feed for a pound in return at least our tilapia do and so they're incredibly efficient at train uh, at converting this protein and uh, into usable and nutritious protein so you know different products or different uh, animals are let a lot of them are less uh, efficient but fish really set the trend for efficient protein and then on top of that in the state of iowa we got all the feedstuffs yeah you know byproducts from other animal protein production the uh, the grains the uh, the roughages any sort of cellulistic or amulistic energy that needs to go into this we're in the center of the, not just the country, but the center of the world when it comes to efficient uh, commoditization yeah. of these products. Absolutely. And so on top of that, Iowa also leads the country in renewable energy, being with over 40% of our electricity is coming from wind energy. <laughs> and we're also the number one ethanol producer in the, in the country. And so we are the center of the world when it comes to renewable energies and uh, an efficient protein production. And so on top of being where the feedstuffs are, we're working to, over time, to vertically integrate there locally, utilize the feedstuffs that are just down the road from us, mill it and process everything there. We can get that transportation down, which you know is one of the biggest carbon emissions uh, is gonna be on the transportation side. And then on top of that, we're gonna be able to do it with electricity that's like Almost, almost 50 free, yeah. percent it's starting renewable. to get lower you know yeah. 
this is uh, the center of the world when it comes to innovation in this space. And the massive roofs you guys have, it's only probably a matter of time before solar panels and stuff. Although you have open roofs, don't I don't know how the fishing works, but I got to imagine that there's probably plans for that down the road. Yeah. But let's get back to um, the Buckeye fish. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think what we'll do is we'll go into the part two. And so thank you guys for joining us. So we're going to have these guys back for episode two. Um, with them and we'll start to get into Buckeye Fish Company and really how you guys get into Eagles Catch. So thank you guys for joining us. But as we uh, get off the episode, will will you tell us where we can find Eagles Catch online and uh, Instagram and Facebook and things like that, website? Yep, www.eagles-catch.com is our website. And you can find us on Facebook at Eagles-Catch. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Thank you everyone for listening in and enjoy your Wednesdays and thank you.